0: Welcome to Behavior Babes podcast, presented by me, Dr. Amanda Kelly. We have a special guest joining us today, Jennifer Leonardo, board certified assistant behavior analyst. Jennifer lives in Kona on the Big Island of Hawaii. Join me in welcoming Jennifer. Hello, Jennifer. Hi, Amanda. Hello. Oh, thanks for joining us. Um, so, would you mind doing just a quick introduction? Sure, my name is Jennifer. I am a BCABA on in Kona, Hawaii, and I work
1: for positive behavior support. Cool. Thanks so much. So mm-hmm.
0: Jennifer, I know uh through your work currently on the neighboring islands, on the Big Island, you do a lot of um you work in a lot of different settings. So you have some private schools, some preschools, uh, you do some assessments in public schools, and you also provide some insurance funded services in community and in home settings. So you kind of have a wide variety of uh, experience and access. Uh, one of the things that uh, we were talking about when I asked you if you would join me for a podcast is um, recommending appropriate service delivery and treatment delivery. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about how you do that or kind of even maybe what some of the struggles are that you face with that or some of the challenges or questions that you ask yourself when you start a new phase? Sure. Uh, Great question. Thank you, Amanda, for having me.
1: Um, I try to do a very thorough assessment when I'm asked to see a new client or uh, when I have a current client, I will, at reassessment time, I'll go to their school, I'll observe them, and every time I go, I usually see areas of deficit or need that need to be addressed that we don't often see at home. So from that, I usually go back to our literature, find the most effective Treatments for certain problem behaviors are uh, areas for increase, and I try to recommend as much hours as I can get for them. Um, And I find that the children who have been given high amounts of hours and are able to get ABA services in school and at home and in the community have progressed much faster, better, um, and have been able to, change their lives in, in a way that the parents are, and school staff are astounded. They're able to access their curriculum. They're able to have friendships. They're able to do things that parents think they never would have thought possible. But the barriers that I face when I go to do an assessment at a public school currently here in Hawaii is I find that we're not able to get access to the ABA services at school. So the children, unfortunately, are not able to access the medically funded hours that have been approved by insurance. And I continue to redo my reassessments often and as needed. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah, we see difficulties, you know, um, with daytime access. We've seen difficulties with insurance access uh, across different states. And even outside of the U.S., I I know that that's a challenge in many places. Um, You talked about having high density of hours. And I think to some people that might sound shocking because, you know, not every child's going to require, you know, forty hours per week, if you will. And I think that's an interesting misconception a lot of people have with Lovas's original study is that children were prescribed forty hours. When what the research says, as you mentioned, going back to the research, it says that it was an average of forty hours. So some children had as little as eighteen, and some as much as sixty-five. And um, it's important to kind of keep going back to the original sources because we we hear things sort of packaged or um, their sound bites or sound clips of things so much sometimes that we kind of lose sight of like where did that number come from? Um, when we look at the resources like the health care funder insurance um, guidelines through the behavioral and certification board, they talk about focused and then comprehensive intensive treatments. Do you find that when you're advocating for treatment density, when you're looking at sort of the number of hours do you ever get pushback on things like how old a client is as to whether or not that's going to be approved? Uh, or do you have, are you asked to get, like, additional rationales? Or kind of how do you um, advocate for that for those students?
1: That's an interesting question because I've never had an issue getting funding for a child, depending on their age. I have had it with different insurance sources or providers, um, But I usually justify it based on the assessments and levels of need and and problem behaviors or deficits that they have and make sure that there are enough objective objective goals that we could be working on for the entire authorization period. Um, I have worked with kids from 18 months old to 20 um, for insurance-provided hours, and I haven't had a problem with age as long as it's properly assessed for what their need is i wouldn't go in with a a higher functioning child at, you know 15 years old doing a vb map so it's just a little bit depending on their functional level depending on what their need is but if i'm never going to recommend less than what they need or deserve most of the children do need a certain amount and i've seen predetermined numbers or just numbers that seem very like a formula right, 20 20 20 here and there but then
0: They probably need more, or 32.
1: Like, where does 32 come from? Where does 22 come from?
0: So, You make a really good point that there is no formula, and, you know, to have a predetermined formula would show um, kind of an idea that there is already a sense of what the client needs when – how do we know that when we are supposed to be doing individualized assessments? And I think you make a really good point, bring it back to your assessment. So – if you need to have so much time with the, with the learner, what are you going to be working on? Is it that we can work on so many different skills, or is it that we need so much repeti- repetition per skill? So, you know, different reasons uh, will kind of weigh into the density of recommendations. Um, you also made a point about, you know, a cross-setting. So, in schools and homes and the community for the children that you have not had pushback with, for the ones where you are working with their schools, you had said there were some really robust outcomes. Can you share, like, some of the feedback that you've gotten or some of the um, accomplishments you've achieved? Yes. Um,
1: I have a case that I he I had pres- rec- recommended 40 hours a week of RBT services. He gets services at all-day school and at home um, and in the community. And this child has – the teachers have said within the first month of ABA at school that he is a different kid, that he's smiling more, he's happy, he's not being potentially bullied. There were definitely instances where other children were making fun of him. Um, Now he's friends with him. Um, The teachers have said, hey, could you do a case study on something like this? Because it would be great for people to see how effective ABA is for for just children and and for them, and they felt supported that they could – teach appropriately that he could sit down in his class and raise his hand and participate in group work and actually make ac progress like not just behavioral progress but he's making academic progress that he never had before um, in the community he's able to now go to with a friend out on an event which he couldn't do before so the parents often and the whole family approach us, the RBTs and my son saying how much we've changed their lives in just a short amount of time. Um, and we've supported him in all-day school, in community outings, and at home. And when we don't have ABA, like if he's out for a week or he's sick or he's on vacation, you can definitely see the a little bit of regression when he comes back. So we're nowhere near where we need to be where we could say, hey, we're fading out, but we're at a place where he's, he's a happy developing child who likes going to school who has made friendships who goes to birthday parties where before he was a child who needed to be taken out of class he was destroying property he was hitting people he was stabbing other children with objects Um, not enough to do damage when they go to the hospital but enough to poke and make people uncomfortable like who's that kid and now he's
0: just he's amazing Science is amazing, I think a it lot is amazing. Of, <laughs> I think a lot of times people feel like it's magical, and and that includes myself, but if there really is a science to it and it's it's a beautiful thing when we see the science and the art come together, so it's not just about you know reducing services, fading out, being systematic, and writing our programs, and having token charts and systems it's really about having you know the visual display of the progress but also really capturing that social significance of the family. So, Jennifer, thank you so much for your time today and for joining us and giving us a little bit of insight into how you ensure appropriate treatment recommendation and service delivery there on the Big Island. Um, Thanks, Amanda. Yeah, take care. Bye. Bye.